This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we have a great talk show for you. It's going to be the St. Valentine's Day special. Yeah, we're going to show you the Catholic origins of St. Valentine's Day, the real life St. Valentine, and a couple other Catholic saints who are going to help you in love. <laughs> love is in the air. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Feel it. All right, we're here with Ryan again. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Let's go. Father Rich. What up? What up? And Ryan, don't forget yourself. And Ryan, I'm Ryan Delacross. That's right. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Uh, really excited about this one. It's it's on the release of the week of, of uh, Valentine's Day. And uh, we're going to get into some Catholic roots here. Yeah. Now, our culture calls it Valentine's Day, but it is St. Valentine's Day. Let's get it right, people. Yeah. Get it right. It's not Valentine's Day. It's St. Valentine's Day. Watch your mouth. Reason for the season, people. Yeah, quit appropriating our culture. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about some really cool things today. We're going to talk about the real St. Valentine. We're going to talk about the Welsh female St. Valentine and a really cool tradition of getting over heartbreak and a Catholic prayer for that. We're going to talk about... The prayer that young women would say on the eve of St. Agnes's feast day that would allow them to see their future spouse in their dream. So if you're looking for a spouse, hi. <laughs> you should try it. Try it, man. Try this prayer. Us and let us know. Well, maybe, know, maybe man. not. We'll get to that. You maybe, might not yeah, want to try it. <laughs> it's it's kind of smelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, And you know what else we're going to talk about? One of the most romantic things you could talk about on Valentine's Day, St. Valentine's skull. His yes. decapitated awesome. head covered in flowers. <laughs> yes. And because nothing says love like a decapitated flower covered skull. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't romance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, if you guys are interested, but um, I got kicked out of the seminary. And, and so now I'm, uh, you know, I had to, you know, get back into dating and I got a couple of good. Pickup yeah. lines. For oh, you got some pickup lines? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to yeah. go over Catholic pickup lines for all <laughs> you uh, single Catholic dudes out there. These are, you're going to get a date here, man. Trust <laughs> me, yeah. you need some help. All right. <laughs> uh, now, before we get into the episode, uh, I want to make sure that everybody goes to CatholicTalkShow.com. You can subscribe to us there. You can see all the other episodes that we've done. A lot of really good ones, a couple bad ones. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you can subscribe to us on whatever service you like, uh, iTunes, Google, Podcast, Stitcher. You can follow us and make sure you're following us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so you can join in the conversation that we have around the episodes. You know, all three of us enjoy going on there personally and commenting, and we really like interacting with you. And we share additional things from the episode on there, so don't miss that. Mm. And if you don't, Father Rich, they're never going to find love and they're going to die as old maids or old bachelors. Miserable. If you do not leave us feedbacks, you are destined for a life of solitude and heartache. <laughs> so can I start this one out with the uh, pickup lines? 
No, let's come on, man. All I'm right. giving it to you. All right, you if know, let's... I had a bead for every time I thought of you, I would have a joyful mystery. Oh. <laughs> Walk up to a girl in the bar, baby. Hey. Your your hair is like a flock of goats <laughs> leaping down the slopes of Gilead. No, oh, no, no, that's right out of the song, song, song of songs, right there. Yeah, David, man, he was a romancer. Ooh, he was yeah. a ladies' man. Ooh, yeah. How about this one? Walk into a bar, go up to a girl. Hey, excuse me. Is this seat taken or are you a set of a contest? <laughs> <laughs> oh, You've got man. stunning scapular brown eyes. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one worked for my, my wife. It's uh, hey, I'd love to say a prayer before a meal with you sometimes. How about Saturday at 8 p.m.? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> hey girl, are you a traditionalist? Because I find your form extraordinary. Oh, I like that one. Bam. Yeah. Bam. Traddy. Traddy pay. If you're traddy a traddy out there, traddy love. Traddy. Is it a sin that you stole my heart? If so, let's go to confession together. <laughs> hey, is this the penitential season? Because I give up anything for you. Oh, I like that one too. All right. Hey, girl, enough. I was reading the book of numbers last night, <laughs> and I realized that yours wasn't in there. Any chance I can get it? <laughs> That's the best one. Yeah, let's finish with oh, that man. one before they get super corny. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome, <laughs> Yeah, before audience. Father Rich goes, hey, you know what me and the Temple Veil vale have in common? We're both ripped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Gross. We're a bunch well, of gross. Honestly, I can't here. say that because that would be a little bit too overboard. Right. And I'm celibate, yeah. guys. Yeah. So, yeah. but it wasn't always that way. Yeah. In fact, in eighth grade, I was very, very romantically inclined to the ladies, probably even before that nice. in kindergarten when I met Valerie and I oh. fell in love. It was love at first sight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kissing on the monkey bars and all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> no, you know, I got to say, though, like eighth grade was a pivotal year because that was when I first learned about St. Valentine. And his whole life just, you know, captivated me. And his witness in defense of marriage and married love was something that was really impactful. And I actually chose St. Valentine as my confirmation name. Nice. So, yeah, so the, the name that I chose was Valentine for the double effect of being romantic and, and being Italian. And then also just his awesome witness. My, uh, my nephew, uh, he was born on Valentine's Day and his name is, he was planned on, they were gonna call him, my sister was gonna name him Stephen Francis. And he was born on Valentine's Day, so they added in Stephen Francis Valentine. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. I, I was born on July 6th, which is the Feast of Maria Goretti. Yes. Cool. But in, in kind of preparing for this podcast, I noticed something absolutely fascinating, that on July 6th in the Eastern Rite Church, they remember and memorialize St. Valentine. There. Cool. Yeah. Like, which I That's absolutely awesome. did not know. Until just the other day. Bam. So let's talk about the real St. Valentine. Important to know. Yeah. yeah. We're so, done. We're done giving all you men pickup lines. Yeah, you, you got to go, go try those out. Now, if you guys use any of those, please let us know in the comments. <laughs> Show us a picture of your slapped face. <laughs> and we are just going to, we're going to laugh at those. So, or if they work, invite us to the wedding. Father Rich will be happy to come and say a prayer for you at the wedding. <laughs> so no, the real St. Valentine, you know, it's not Cupid. It's not a little cherub. This was a hard man in a hard time who did some hard things. And 
his life is not a, it is not a Hallmark movie. No, 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 sir. So St. Valentine was a Catholic priest in the middle third century in the Roman Empire. And at the time, there was a persecution by the Romans, and they were trying to wipe out Christianity. And one of the things is that they forbade Catholics from marrying each other because, you know, more Catholics getting married means more little Catholic babies, means more of these Catholics ruining their nice pagan empire. So they forbade anybody from being married. Well, St. Valentine was in defiance of the emperor going out and performing Catholic marriages. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so the bishop, St. Valentine himself, would go off in secret and marry these men and women. And it came to a point where one of them, a soldier, was actually captured, and then they were both put into prison. And St. Valentine himself wound up sacrificing <coughs> himself to go into prison on their behalf to release them. And then the story continues. So he was in jail waiting, awaiting his execution. Now, this is one of the origins of why we give Valentine's cards. Now, I'm, I'm sure you've given like Valentine's cards when you were in school or whatever to your wife or not for you because Valentine's Day at the seminary is like Father's Day at the orphanage, right? <laughs> That's when you're depressed yeah. and just walking around, moping around. <laughs> It's a very somber day. (laughs) (laughs) What what is Valentine's Day like at the seminary? Oh, heck, I don't even remember, dude. It it wasn't a very significant day. You know, I remember the feast days of like St. Vincent de Paul and and stuff like that. But I'm just picturing us like walking around with, you know, whips. Sackcloth. Yeah. (laughs) I remember playing basketball. (laughs) (laughs) That's so Delacrosse. I don't know. I was playing basketball. (laughs) So while he was in jail waiting his execution, the jailer's daughter um, was blind. Mm -hmm. And St. Valentine, through the the power of Jesus Christ and his intercessory, intercessory prayer, actually healed the jailer's daughter's eyesight and wrote her a note and said, and signed it from your Valentine. And that's one of the origins of why you say a Valentine. Here's a Valentine. It's from your Valentine or be my Valentine. And clearly the jailer himself was touched by this. His whole family converted at that point. And not only, you know, was it this, the, the group of people that we're talking about now that he affected so miraculously, his whole ministry was absolutely miraculous and confrontational in a time that really denounced the dignity of marriage and the worth of that type of investment and people living out their faith. So he was a very bold leader, a bold bishop, and certainly one who advocated for the dignity and beauty of marriage. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that people say nowadays, though, is that St. Valentine is not actually a saint. And that's because they have, they can, they're not, they don't understand exactly how the liturgical calendar works and the feasts of saints. In 1969, when they were updating the liturgical calendar, they removed the feast of St. Valentine. Mm. So people who did not really understand how the church works says, well, the church basically said he's not a saint anymore and he's not real. That's not how it works. Do you want to explain how that actually works? Well, it, what's, in reality, though, the, the feast day is occupied right now 
um, St. Cyril and Methodius, Methodius yeah. who so, are the co-patrons and of Europe. But at the same time, if it's not obligatory feast of that region, you can still celebrate the feast of like St. Valentine. Yeah, the memorial. <clears throat> it's not technically like an obligatory feast, right? right. So you have, you have option. But the important thing to realize, too, is that there were a number of legends that were surrounding him and a number of people that were actually named Valentinius, too, in that time frame and throughout, you know, a few centuries in the church. So a lot of those stories, a lot of those legends also merged together in consideration of really trying to find the true authentic account of who St. Valentine really is. But there is absolute credibility when it comes to the burial place where St. Valentine is and where his remains are. And, you know, these stories that are just so provocative um, and, and historically accurate that really characterize for us this beautiful man of God. Yeah, so it just no longer is when a priest is celebrating the Mass for that day, St. Valentine is not referenced in the liturgy of that day. That's all it means. Now, if you go to a Latin parish or where they use the, you know, the old uses. St. Valentine is still within that 1962 missile. So in Catholic churches to this day on February 14th, you go and it is still his feast day. So he was not removed. He is still a saint and still celebrated as a saint in the Catholic church. And in the Eastern Rite churches as well. That's right. And now you know. Now you know. the battle. G.I. Joe. The more you know. <laughs> Those are awful. Like I said. Super romantic. Let's talk about St. Valentine's decapitated skull. <laughs> yeah. That has flowers. Flowers. In it. Flowers. So Is in, that chocolates in the eyeballs? And the, that's why we give flowers on Valentine's oh, Day. Oh, it's not. <laughs> chocolates and flowers. Chocolates and flowers. And I'm going to make holes. a new skull-like <laughs> flower Chocolate. pot. Yeah. Hey, Jen, I made you a skull flower. She's going <laughs> to love that. I'm being authentic, right? <laughs> yeah, a skull made out of chocolate. Yeah. With flowers on top. Yeah. So his skull, as a segue. His chocolate skull. It's not chocolate. It's in a golden reliquary Mm. with a nice skeletony middle. (laughs) (laughs) So it's delicious. Yes. It's in a golden reliquary in the church, in the, uh, actually the Basilica of Santa Maria in Rome. Mm -hmm. It's covered in flowers. Uh, You can see it. There's pictures. I'll make sure I post a picture of St. Valentine's skull on here. So anyone who wants to share it with your significant other as a digital uh, Valentine. Sign of your love. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to make a Valentine that people can share uh, with St. Valentine's skull on it so that you can send that out. You can print it out and give it out. Uh, Just head over heels for you. St. Valentine had a big gap in his two front teeth. Did he really? Yeah, he looks like Ernest Borgnine. Oh, man. (laughs) Who is that? Some actor from like the 70s and... You know, big gap in his teeth. I was, I was thinking, thinking Michael, Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan. I was totally thinking yeah. Strahan. Yeah. Well, so it's not it's as like, big. I'm it's sure. iconic though, man. Like, yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, that's like his thing. That's his thing. Yeah. <laughs> Visually. So you you've actually seen his bones, but not in Rome. But not in Rome. Now, for anyone listening, us Catholics, we like to take bones of saints and just <laughs> send them all over the place, and they're just bones everywhere. It's like. Under altars, yeah, in the walls, yeah. But the church still recommends the integrity of the species for caskets and urns for to be interred or placed in the ground or in the elements. That's right. So don't get any ideas. That's right. Thank but the church Father. allows church allows this to happen because why? It's it's not that we scatter these things all over the world. It's a sign of unity. Actually. It's a sign of unity, and it's a sign of a greater reverence too that's offered to these saints. 
um, in respect to the altars that they're placed in or placed by mm -hmm. in and around the world. And it truly does develop our, our sense of unity. Mm. So you saw his his bones, not not his main relics, which are in Rome, because yeah. he is St. Valentine of Rome. And there's catacombs, too, St. Valentine. Yeah. But you saw them in? In Dublin. That's right. Yeah. yeah, the White Friars. And I, it was actually, I found it by happenstance, which basically, that's that's my life. Like, I just, again, that aimless wandering of just like, oh, my gosh, God, <laughs> what are you doing in my... I had no idea he was in Dublin. Found out 11th hour, and I just said to the group, the pilgrimage... He sent you a text, hey, Patry, I'm in Dublin. What are you up to? <laughs> So we led this pilgrimage in the footsteps of St. Patrick. So in Dublin, I find out that my boy, St. Valentine, like yeah. I've been longing for years to pray at a tomb yeah. dedicated to him or an altar. And sure enough, the White Friars have it. So I, I like, hey, guys, I'll, I'll catch you later. So I start making my way over, walking there. And I'm praying rosary after rosary, and I'm having a fantastic morning. I'm talking one of like the top 10 mornings of my life ordination was up there, but that's an interesting story for another time. So as I'm walking down the road, I'm just so consoled by God's grace. And I feel this breeze at my back. And I'm thinking, you know, St. Patrick's prayer, like, may the wind always be at your back, you know? So it's, I'm, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And the wind strikes this windowsill and it has all of these flowers and these flower petals start falling in front of me. There you go. And it's like, this is like an awesome experience to go in the churches right there. And dude, out of nowhere, this deranged person came and brushed up against my side with the scowl on his face. And he's just like, you know, and, and he's, and he goes toward all of these flower petals and he's slamming his feet into them. And he's just trying to like destroy this beauty what? that was in front of me. Right. And I'm like, Whoa, like, you're God. blowing my morning here. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the great thing about it, though he was so disturbed, it brought my attention to the reality of manifest evil in the world, that there's movement that, that is within the human person that seeks to destroy. Like evil is exactly that. It's like this absence of good. It's, it's this destruction or defacing of what is good, beautiful, and true, the, the yeah. transcendentals. So I saw this and it just immediately was like, wow. And I just meditated. It didn't disturb me. I stayed perfectly steady in it. And then I walked up to the doorways of the church, went in, and then I discovered the beautiful altar to St. Valentine. And as I was praying there, it just brought me to that deep reflection that there are powers in the world that are trying to deface the truth, the beauty, and the goodness of marital union between man and woman. And how that produces life, just like God creates and produces life through truth, beauty, and goodness, the transcendentals, same way. So it was just such a powerful reestablishment of my identity as priest, but as minister to married and couples marriage. And, yeah. and marriage. Mm -hmm. Good story. So, you know, one of the things, a lot of the traditions around St. Valentine's Day actually do go back to a Roman festival that was of pagan origins. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, no, this is pagan. Get over it, right? And as an authority for pagans, my last name is Pagano. Mm -hmm. Get over it, Get people. Over it. No one's celebrating the pagan festival. We've taken those customs and those cultures, which are unique to the people, and have no meaning except for the fact that people do them because they're fun, and we've given them significance and baptized them in the church. Shut up, deal with it. 
Lupercalia lost. St. Valentine won. <laughs> That's how it happened. So anyway, the Romans celebrated a festival called Lupercalia during on February 15th. And that was the, the celebration of the consummation of purification and fertility for the new year for Rome. Actually, the name February comes from the word or the tool they used for purification, the February, which means like purge, to sweat out, to get rid of. So on that day, the young men of Rome would write the name of a girl that they were interested in on a stone and put it into like a big, you know, amphora. And they, or actually, I think what happens is they would put names of all girls in there and they'd pick one out and that was their. Oh, it's like roulette. Right. Now the Pope. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that in a negative sense. A little different. <laughs> right. Like kind of, yeah. <laughs> well, the Pope said, okay, this, this chicanery needs to stop once Christendom had. Good word gotten rid of the pagan culture, but people still celebrated this tradition, although it no longer had any religious um, significance. But it was a harkening back to an older pagan celebration. So the Pope said, okay, look, you guys can keep doing this, but let's give some meaning behind it. Don't just do things for no reason. So instead, he started having the saints, I'm sorry, the young boys and girls write the names of saints on these stones and put it in there. And they would pick out a saint, and then they would have to then emulate that saint for the year. Mm. And the cool thing is this was done by several zealous pastors. Pope Gelasius. Yeah, but there were pastors that enforced it. It wasn't mm-hmm. just Pope Gelasius. But there, the zealous pastors really started to advance this devotion in localized form. And it started to take off culturally with the people. And I just want to say a comment. You know, the Pope may say something. You know, and and he may put something into place, like you think of a St. John Paul II, for example, and his ministry to the theology of the body and, and sharing those in his successive uh, catechetical offerings in, in Rome and or, his teachings. You or know, adding a whole new set of mysteries to the rosary. Yeah, to the luminous mysteries or whatever. But it's not going to be driven unless priests and laity take it up and actually move it along. And this was taken up by a number of, of pastors because they saw the value in it. So we need to truly seize back with creative ideas these different feast days, you know, St. Valentine's Day, why we're celebrating it, Christmas, why we're celebrating it, All Hallows Eve, you know, in respect to Halloween. What are we doing? What are we celebrating? St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day. There's so mm. many different things. Easter Bunny. You Mardi know, Gras. Easter, Mardi Gras, Lent, you know. So there's so many things that we can creatively come up with, not in a judgmental way, but to seize people's attention pastorally to guide them to greater truth, beauty, and goodness, these transcendentals, and really celebrate that. Mm-hmm. You're really big on the transcendentals. Dude, today. I'm all over the transcendentals today. I don't know what it is. <laughs> He's feeling transcendental. I'm so, feeling no. transcendental, no, man. Oh. He's got a, he's got a, I should be feeling romantic right now, but I'm feeling pretty <laughs> transcendental. He's got the Stevie Winwood higher love going on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now a lot of people out there today probably are lonely. They don't have a date. They don't have a Valentine. Or maybe they have a broken heart. Oh, man. That happens. It does. Yeah. And broken hearts are, for a lot of people, can be very difficult to get over. It affects all their future relationships, prevents them from getting into new relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It's it's a really dark thing to be 
I think people feel rejected as a person by someone they love. They can't get over it. It's Look. happened to me and Father Rich. Oh, yeah. Not I'm me. sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the church has a novena for that and a saint who helps you, who is the patron saint of getting over a heartbreak. And she's known as the Scottish St. Valentine. I'm sorry, the Welsh St. Valentine. She's Welsh. She's the saint of rebounds. <laughs> I thought that was Charles Barkley. <laughs> this is terrible. Different, different, different rebound. rebound. Terrible, yeah. terrible. Uh, so we're talking Vulgate here, the Vulgate <laughs> rebound. So this is St. Dwinwin, right? St. Dwinwin was a 5th century Welsh, Welsh. princess. Hmm. And she was really in love with another prince. His name was Malon Daffodil. Wow. Not Daffodil, Daffodil. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah, Welsh dude is yeah. crazy language. <laughs> so anyway, they were kind of courting each other. But Malon was kind of trying to round first and get to second and trying to push it, right? <laughs> Malon, you need to put the brakes on that. Yeah, pump Hold the brakes, Malon. Hold your ground. She rejected him. Now, she was madly in love with him, mm. and they they were betrothed to get married, but he wanted to, you know. When Dwinwin said, no, wait till we're married, Malon <laughs> broke it off, wouldn't talk to her anymore. Mm. And she was completely crushed mm. and heartbroken. Mm. And she just couldn't get over it. You know, this was the love of her life, and he had betrayed her like that. And she was really about Christian purity and was waiting for marriage and wanted to be a good Christian wife. And he, you know... Pushed it. Wouldn't have it. So he, she prayed to God for to get over this heartache. And in a vision, she was given a vial of sweet water to drink, and that would help her <laughs> get over her heartache. And then in the dream, Malon was given the same drink, but instead of him getting over heartache, he turned into a block of ice. Ah, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Now, she prayed again because... That's not what she wanted. So she prayed, and God said that he would grant her three levels of deliverance from heartbreak. And she said first that she wanted Malon to be unfrozen. The second was that she never wanted to desire marriage in her heart again so that she would never be heartbroken. And the third is that God would make her an intercessor for other people going through heartbreak. So... God granted all those wishes. Malon was not, you know, he was thought out. She no longer desired marriage, and God healed her heart of that. And she became a nun and founded a, uh, a, a, um, a convent. Now, this convent is still there in Wales today, and people will go there to the, to the well at the convent when they're going through a heartbreak and say prayers and throw stones into this into this well as a way to get over their heartbreak. And all the all the men get frozen. That's right. Mm. No. I'm now there's a know. prayer, a nine-day novena to St. Dwinwin to help you get over heartache. There you go. So if you're if you're going through a heartache, we're gonna post the prayer in the comments and on the page on CatholicTalkShow.com on the episode page. And we'll post that prayer that you pray for nine days to help you get over a heartache. <clears throat> I Excellent. wonder my dad recently died and my mom's kind of going through some heartache. I wonder if that would work for that. Or is it just for like... I think that would count. That's yeah. heartache. Yeah. It's probably the worst kind of heartache that I've seen. Yeah. 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 I'm going to give it to her. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I'm from Cleveland. You know, there's a lot of heartache. Different Especially kinds. with those brown sports, sports, sports heartaches. So I, th- I think a lot of people would like to know who they're going to marry, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people pray for their spouse, pray for their spouse, be. their future spouse, and all that. Well, there was a tradition in medieval Catholicism on the feast on the eve of Saint Agnes's feast day. Now, according to this tradition, now this is kind of now we talked about this earlier. This might border on superstition. Medieval Catholic Europe was disconnected. There's a lot of superstition. Sometimes they would take Catholicism and it almost turned into a folk religion. Yeah. So this is, if not done properly, I think it borders on superstition. Should be with caution. Right. <clears throat> but what young women would do in the Middle Ages is they would say on the eve of St. Agnes's feast day, they would say a certain prayer. They would spend the day fasting. They would take a sprig of rosemary and a sprig of thyme and sprinkle them with holy water. They would put one in each one of their shoes and put the shoes on either side of their bed and then say a prayer before they fell asleep that said, St. Agnes, that's true to lover's kind. Come ease the troubles of my mind. Let my future husband view and be my vision chaste and true. Wow. Then that night, according to the tradition, they would see in their dream their future husband. And in their dream, their husband would come and give them a glass of water. And that would signify that of all the people in the dream, that was the future husband. Nice. Wow. And that was a tradition that went on for a long time. I mean, even into the 18th century, uh, the fam- the poet Keats even wrote a famous poem called St. Agnes's Eve. Uh, mm. So if you're, out about- there, if you're out there thinking of that, ladies, you know, why don't you do that? And then share with us the story if you get anything out of it. Right. What about what about the uh, Scarborough Fair, Simon and Garfunkel? Rosemary and time. What about it? Maybe that was a song written about it. Sing it, brother. Well, you know, I think Scarborough Fair comes from the Canterbury Tales, right? Yep. And the Canterbury Tales actually does talk about the eve of St. Agnes. So I wouldn't doubt that that came from that. It's got to be a connection. Yeah. Look good at that. Job, good job. Don't, Don't call me stupid anymore. <laughs> I would never. I just Googled Rosemary and Time and I'm sorry, I'm going to go off. Look, just came look, if one. you don't see your future husband in your dream, at least you'll have delicious shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you can cry tomorrow and eat your shoes as morning food. <laughs> I would just use it as an aroma thing yeah. and not, mm. not or delicious. Edible. Well, you know, you don't want to eat anything out of your shoes, especially if you're me. <laughs> what about St. Nick's Day? I do eat yeah. stuff out of your shoes. Catholics eat stuff out of their shoes all the time. <laughs> Come on, man. So now we've talked about him, this one saint, in another episode, and I think it's worth repeating here, uh, coming up on St. Valentine's Day. Not everyone's attractive. Sorry, so you know, it happens. Yep. There's some uggos out there. Yep. There's some uggos in here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Not pointing any fingers. Right. <laughs> Me? <laughs> There's a patron saint of ugly people, St. Drogo. Drogo. St. Drogo. I like that. So he was a he was a young man. His parents died. He went on pilgrimage. Uh, after giving up his wealth, he contracted a disease and was horribly disfigured so much that the town folk recognized that he was holy but didn't want to look at him because he was just- <laughs> Run away! Run right. away! He was gross looking. So he was holy, but they built him a monastic cell and said, we want you near a town because you're holy, but- 
Stay yeah. over there. Look at the face. No, damn. You, we mentioned him on, yeah, we on another podcast, yeah. I remember. Yeah, but if anyone's out props there. to that guy. Yeah, but if anyone's out there today and it's Valentine's Day and you don't got a date and honestly it's because you're, you know, ugly as sin, it's okay. You can still become a saint. St. Drogo did it. And <laughs> yeah. people might love you. The you, very it's not first over. time Tell Saint that Drogo. I saw your ugly face. <laughs> your lips said hello. Ask, yeah, for all for all of us uggos out there, <laughs> uh, pray to Saint Drogo that uh, someone will look past your just hideous visage and, and love you for who you are and not how just that's right terrifying you who are. Who you are, man. <laughs> you you can bring joy to that's people's right. eyes. Mm-hmm. Who you are, that is the truth. Now, what you be looking like? Now, I think another good thing to talk about today for Saint Valentine's Day is I think maybe one of the biggest developments in the understanding of human relations in centuries and romantic relations in their proper use. And that's the theology of the body. Oh yeah. Which is what we were talking about before too. John Paul II's ministry, you know, to married couples, I could imagine began very, very early on in his priesthood and how many people that he received in his office. I can't even imagine how many people he ministered to, especially as a professor too, but then emerging into, you know, just the the role that the papacy has in his life as, as an instructor in morals and faith and the sacraments, you know, the gift that he gave the church and the theology of the body is absolutely profound. And we have not even begun to scratch the surface of the density of, of what that theology offers to it's us. It's going to take centuries oh to really gosh. unpack that. It yeah. was, He'll be that, might, that might even have been his greatest work. Oh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I and you could look at his other work too, and it's all related really, like right. love and responsibility and, and some of his earlier works, his poetry. And, you know, it's all in this beautiful love language. And that type of complementarity between man and woman that he describes at every level, including physiologically, which is just so important to realize that our bodies reflect the glory of God and that utter transcendence again, that, that we're, we're called to emulate. And marriage is that beautiful prism to look into and see the light coming out of it, that creative light in the hand of God. And I can't help but think of your family, bro, and and how God has brought together man and woman and Ryan Delacrosse and Jen and the beautiful fruitfulness of your your marriage and all the children that you've had. And most recently you had another, another baby. Yeah, baby Gino. Baby Gino. He's getting big already. Yeah. Kids got good genes. I get this um right by my bed. I have Rublev's. Is it Rublev? His, yeah, his, the, Trinity. the Trinity. The Trinity. Yeah. And, you know, the, the being a father, husband, um, you know, practicing Catholic, trying to understand the role of this phenomenon in my life, right? This love that I have, this calling that my wife and I have to give of ourselves, um, you know, as, as much as we can until it hurts and, mm-hmm. and make sacrifices for each other, become more dependent and, and less interdependent. And through that love born children, it's such a triune um, reflection of, of God, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you've got the father and the son, the father, you know, gives life to the son, the son gives his life back to the father through that, you know, you have this, Holy Spirit. And so I look at all the children as that fruit of our love, that fruit of 
not just our love that we choose to, to do, you know, for each other, but the love that we're called to like deepen through sacrifice and things that, you know, I, I look around, most people, they get to do a lot of things I don't get to do. But then I look at this fruit and I'm like, this is what God wants of me. He wants to communicate to me who he is as a triune God through all this. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like that, <clears throat> that Holy Trinity, it's like they're sitting at a table and, and you're supposed to be pulling up that chair with them, right? You're supposed to be participating in that, that triune God. You're supposed to be a part of that community. And that's how they do it. They reveal it through this calling that we have to love, the sacrifices that you make through it, and then the fruit that abounds from it. You probably know that as a priest. Oh, it, and for me in, in the fatherhood that God has offered me, I get to open my heart to so many different families and cultures and peoples and communities around the country. And, and God has brought me all over the place. You know, we we're just talking about Dublin, but he's brought me to so many different places where my heart has expanded. And I was sharing with, with Ryan and Ryan last night as I was descending over Los Angeles, just looking out at, at how huge of a city this is and how many people are here. And just extending my hand over Los Angeles and just praying for There's the There's a people. drive-by blessing. Yeah, drive -by. it was a flyby. <laughs> flyby blessing. Fly blessing. All you people who woke up this morning feeling extra holy here in LA, that's <laughs> because last night, Father was flying through the sky, just boom. Happy to pour down some love on you guys. Happy you Valentine's know? Day, y'all. Happy Valentine's Look Day. Look at all this blessing raining down from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. I mean, I think of Mexico City, too, just flying over Mexico City and just praying over. That's why I just love flying, because... Yeah. It's a way that I could look <laughs> over, yeah, yeah, just throw blessings out, you know, like over the people. And uh, yeah, it's just love, man. It's yeah. just all love, love and how man. fruitful, fruitful love can be when God is in the midst of it. Like you said, participating in that Trinitarian love that is most creative and fruitful. Now, I'm not even 40 yet. I've got a couple of years before I get there. And I've, I've been married uh, next month will be 17 years. I've been Jeez. married almost longer than I've been not married. Wow. So when I first met my wife, I knew I gave up everything. I said, this is what I want. You know, at the time I was in bands and doing this or whatever. And I said, I, this is it. That's, it was like, you know, the pearl of great pr price. You know, you give up everything else for this and it's so worth it. Mm. Uh, my entire life that was, that was, that was the thing, that's the best thing I've ever done in my life. You know? oh, that's beautiful, Shio. Love you, Kelly. <laughs> and Love you, Jane. 17 years ago for myself, I'm entering into my 17th year after my reversion. And when I encountered the love of Christ, it's just that transmitted into communicating that love to everybody that I met and truly falling in love with people in general and, and community. So I can imagine that love being in, in St. Valentine's heart and his experience of being a pastor of the people. So I just want to say, love you, St. Valentine. <laughs> and the people. And, and the, the people. people. I love you, the people. <laughs> I love you, the people. No, I make so a sacrifice for you people. It's dirty. <laughs> dirty sacrifice. Oh, you dirty dog. You, you, dirty. Ryan, you need to clean up so your ass. love and all that mess. So Pope Francis, he's a, he actually had a girlfriend before he went into the, into the seminary. Mm. So, you know, he knows he knows a little bit about dating. And mm. in one of his general audiences a few years back, he gave some tips on dating. You That's go, funny. Yeah, you want to go through that? Let's tips do for, it. Dating tips from the Pope. Yeah. You're not going to find this in Cosmo. You can no. only find that on Catholic talk show. <laughs> Cosmo. Uh. All right. So seven tips from Pope Francis on dating. The freedom of giving oneself to another is a decision that requires a conscious harmony. 
It's not about simple mutual attraction or an emotion, a moment, or a phase. It's a journey. Okay. All right. Dating, number two, dating and engagement are the time when two are called to perform a real labor of love, an involved and shared work that delves deep. Here they discover one another little by little, i.e. the man learns about the woman by learning about this woman, and the woman learns about man by learning about this man. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a deeper discernment, not just be mine, I like you. Number three, the covenant of love between man and woman, a covenant for life, cannot be improvised. It isn't made up of one day to the next. There is no marriage express. One needs to work on love and one needs to walk every day. That's true. That's true. Good advice, Papa. All right, number four. Those who want to have everything immediately also fell before anything immediately. When facing the first challenge or the first opportunity of dating, they fail. Dating is a time for couples to see if there is the will to care for something that cannot be bought, sold, betrayed, abandoned, no matter how appealing the offer is. That's good. Yeah, That's saying, I'm going to give up everything. This is a time to say, no matter what else is offered to me, I, I don't want it. Hmm. Number five, many couples have been together for a long time, even intimately. Some even live together, but they don't truly know one another. It seems curious, but experience shows that that's true. Number six, the church in her wisdom guards the distinction between engaged and being spouses. It is not the same, especially in the view of the delicateness and depth of the test. So put a ring on it, if you mm. say. Mm. That's right. That's right. And then the last is dating and engagement are a path of life that is meant to ripen like fruit. It is a way of nurturing and maturing in love until the moment it becomes marriage. Mm. Nice. Mm -hmm. Man, I love it. Yeah. I feel like a Romeo right now. We I'm do. telling you, man. All right. So now before we wrap up, Inquisition time. Ooh, I thought I was getting off on this no, one. No, this Ooh. one's going to be uncomfortable. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Now, now, I'm asking this for a particular reason. Okay. Because there's a lot of men and women out there listening, mm -hmm. hopefully, if we're doing a good job. And if they subscribe to us on CatholicTalkShow.com or went to Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Stitcher, wherever, uh, and listen to it. So hopefully there's a lot of people listening out there. Well, who else would be listening besides people? <laughs> Dogs, dude? I don't know. <laughs> dude. Poison monkeys? <laughs> Aliens? Anyway, you're stalling now. Come on, <laughs> dude. <laughs> So there's a lot of men and women out there who have been in relationships before. Okay. Even intimate relationships. But they may be discerned that that is not necessarily where their life is going. Mm -hmm. Now, I think one of the preconceptions that a lot of people have is that to become a priest or a religious or a female religious, one has to have, be a, a virgin. Do you have to be a virgin and never have had any dating or intimate relationships before entering into a religious life. If that's the case, I got to take my collar out. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, no, definitely yeah. not. I mean, yeah. definitely not. I wouldn't be here right now personally. I mean, not to, I wouldn't you know, have gone, I wouldn't have gotten in the seminary. No, I mean, definitely, definitely not. So you, again, and this is the whole idea. And I, I see this a lot with guys and girls that are, you know, maybe consider it. And then they immediately dismiss it because well, I'm not perfect. I'm not holy. I've made mistakes. I, 
you know, I would never be able to be that type of example. I've given chocolate and ran into a pole with <laughs> Alana, whatever her name was. Alana, for heaven's sake. <laughs> you know, but no, it's true. And and it's not, it's not this call to uh, that same sense of you have to be perfect in order to fulfill this. No, I'm still imperfect. Yeah. I will be imperfect to the point where God... <laughs> In his mercy, God willing, will take me to heaven and perfect my nature and elevate my nature and glorify, you know, me as a, as a person, you know. And and so I, I look at this and God is calling people who are imperfect because we serve imperfect people. And together in our communion, we draw to the perfection of God and God is building us up and perfecting our nature together. So the role that a minister has, a female religious, a mother superior, a consecrated man or woman, a priest, a deacon, we're ministering to that body, to the to the body of imperfection and drawing the members together in, in the leadership that Christ calls us to. So please never allow that to be an obstruction or an obstacle to you discerning truly in your heart, whether you are called to this type of life. Yeah. You know, a lot of priests and who actually were in serious relationships before they entered the priesthood or the religious life. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So many. Yeah, yeah, so many. I mean, I was in a relationship with a girl that I was head over heels where it wasn't Alana. But years later, you know, she was a social worker, phenomenal woman, daily communicant, never had a, a chaste relationship in my life. This was my first chaste relationship you know, serious relationship. And we grew together. We, we never fought, you know, it was like made by heaven. And we, we wanted the same amount of kids, the names of the kids. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And then in the midst of that relationship and this awesome experience, I felt a real call to the priesthood. And it was hard to move in that direction because I knew how much it was going to break her heart. But little by little, God directed both of us to take the steps that we needed to, to fulfill our vocation. Now she's married. She's got a kid. I'm, you know, I'm awesome. doing my thing as a priest. And, you know. I love the quote by Fulton Sheen that sometimes the only way God can get into a heart is by breaking it. Mm. Yeah. Well, happy Pretty Valentine's good. Day. Yeah. 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 We didn't bring you down. St. Valentine's know. Day. Oh, I can't believe I said Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I'm such a secular. Unforgiven. That's great. Well, thanks for joining us for another podcast. Um, it was a fun one. Yeah, it was good. And Make sure you're, you're taking care of uh, your significant others. And, you know, if you're listening to this and it's not Valentine's Day yet, St. Valentine's Day yet, don't forget to go ahead a card and chocolate and flowers. Yeah, guys, definitely. And, this and is your some reminder. of those pickup lines, even if you've been married for a number of years and you want to spice up your work relationship, working with your significant no. wife. So yeah, instead of doing no. a poll this week, we want you to go on and we're going to create a post and we want you to share your best Catholic pickup lines with us. Oh. Give us some good ones, guys. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, this is a good one, guys. Yep. Yeah. See you next week. God bless. <laughs> <laughs>